Welcome. Some months ago, I had a weird experience and the topic was something like, can the new right be an ally in the battle for freedom? And after my talk in the Q&A, a guy eagerly raises his hand and the first question I got was, do you believe that women can have a penis? And I thought, how is this question related to my topic? And he says, I'm asking this question to everyone because for me, it's the litmus test on whether I can trust that guy. So apparently, recently, questions around what, how one relates to the issue of trans people have become very, very important in the culture wars. As that guy said, they have become a litmus test. And the importance of the issue of how one understands trans people became even more apparent some months ago when Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire released the documentary, What is a Woman? Within months, this documentary has become, according to its producers, the most watched documentary in human history. And indeed, it might be the most watched because at the moment it has something like 180 million views. So today, in New Idea Live, the podcast of the Ayn Rand Institute, we will discuss this documentary. We will break it down. And also, by the end, we will try to give you an answer to the question, what is a woman? So, Onkar, you watched, we both watched the documentary and we had the discussion behind the scenes about it. And your first comment was that, was this even a documentary? So, What's your overall take on it? And why do you challenge its status as a documentary? Yeah, my overall take was very negative when I watched it. It's about an hour and 35 minute um, uh, program. I think of a documentary as uh, basically like a news story that it's trying to give you uh, like an in-depth news story. It's trying to give you a perspective of the facts of about a certain issue. If you watch a documentary on the Civil War, like Ken Burns' documentary series on the Civil War, it gives you a whole panorama of facts and different experts trying to put those facts into context. You'll often get more than one perspective on certain events, certain figures, how to think about Lincoln as president in the Civil War. But you come away thinking, yeah, I'm much more informed about this issue I might have a better sense of, yeah, there's some different views and different interpretations of something, but you have a lot of resources to think about the issue and make up your mind on it. So in that, that's the sense it's supposed to be informative, basically factual, but you'll be getting interpretations of the facts, but trying to keep those separate um, so that the viewer feels like, like if you watch a good news program, you feel, yeah, like I know things that I didn't know before. I'm more informed. I did not come out of this um, thinking that I'm more informed. And I don't think in the end, the purpose was that the viewers will be more informed. I think of it, it uh, much more as a kind of attempt to rally the troops. And in that sense, I think of it much more like it's a propaganda, trying to push a certain viewpoint in certain ways to push it um, without always explicitly stating that what the purpose is, is to push people into a certain camp in effect. So you, you put it about it, the, the, the litmus test that the trans issue has become. And this I think of as it's part of that kind of tribalism. And it's, it's an entry in that, but I would not, I don't give this the status of a documentary. 
Okay, so to the defense. Well, to the defense of Matt Walsh, I would say that he he gives the stage to many people who share different views. And actually, we will watch some clips. So most of the documentary is Matt Walsh talking to people who are on the other side. People who uh, help trans people undergo uh, the medical operations to change uh, to to change not only their gender but uh, their bodily, let's say, to 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 transition, but also gender scholars who are allies of the trans movement. So now, how he does this is something that we can elaborate. But let us show our audience what we mean. So the first clip we will watch. So Matt Walsh is visiting a professor of uh, gender studies, someone who is an ally of the trans movement, and they have a very awkward and uncomfortable discussion. At some point, the professor threatens that he will leave. So we will watch the part of the discussion where Matt Walsh is trying to have the professor define what is a woman. So remember, supposedly the whole documentary is a journey by Matt Walsh trying to answer the question, what is a woman? So the first clip, let's see what the professor has to say on this question. I guess this all comes back, just, this all comes down to really one question, um, especially women, gender and sexuality studies. So, so what, what is a woman? Why do you ask that question? I just really like to know. What do you think the answer to that question is? Well, I'm, I'm asking. That's why I came to a college professor who, who's, who this is your, this is what you do. What other kinds of answers have you gotten? A lot of like this, where you're, where you're not answering, and I've gotten a lot of that, so. I think it's interesting that you, that you say that some of the people you've, you've um, interviewed have been um, reluctant to answer it, and I think that has a lot to do with the way, the questions that preceded it, and the, the way that you've conducted yourself in the interview. How have I conducted myself? How do you think you've conducted yourself? You, you, <laughs> you just really don't want to answer the questions, do you? I, I came today very willing and, and enthusiastic about answering questions about women's and gender sexuality studies, which is so you what wanted I to, do. you wanted to answer questions about women's studies, and so shouldn't the, the first answer you should be able to provide is what exactly is a woman? Well, it's, it, for me, it's, it's actually a really simple answer, and that's a person who identifies as a woman. But what are they identifying as? As a woman. But, just but what is that? As a woman. Do you know what a circular definition is? I do. It's sort of like what you're doing right now, where a woman is, is a woman. Because mm -hmm. well, you're seeking what we would call in my field of work an essentialist definition of gender. I think it sounds like you would like me to give you a set of biological or cultural characteristics that are associated with one gender or the other. I'm not seeking any type of definition. I'm just seeking a definition. Yeah, and I gave you one. Okay, we've just witnessed two of the most awkward minutes that I've ever watched. So to give some, to give some context to, to our viewers, before this part of the interview, actually the professor gives a longer definition, but Matt Walsh considers it a lot of mambo-jumbo and he plays it in fast forward. So he talks about uh, 
social constructs and what you would expect someone on this field to the language to use. So on, on the one hand here, we see the professor looks like the bad guy, someone who doesn't want to give an answer, but I also find interesting the question he asks to Matt Walsh, why are you asking? Like, are you actually curious to figure out what we think? So Onkar, who, who is the good guy here? And do you think that actually the, the definition that the professor gives, a woman is someone who identifies as a woman, is a definition which makes sense? Uh, no, I think there is something circular to it, or at least like there's potentially. So what Matt Walsh is drawing attention to there, there is something right about that, that it, it, you identify as a woman, but if you can't give some characterization of what it means that you're identifying as, then it, you're, you're not yet at the stage of having a definition. But on, but on the other hand, uh, so I have a negative view of both here. The, the, the professor, as you brought up, asking, like, why are you asking this question? Are you actually want to know, or is this a kind of got you question? And that's, again, I don't think of a documentary as when you bring people on, then you're trying to ask them got you questions and trying to catch them in some kind of thing that doesn't make sense so you can expose them. So a, a lot of this film, I think, is there's elements of attempt to ridicule, there's sarcasm used. And again, I mean, you can do that. You can have a film like that. But I don't, again, you, I don't think of that as a documentary. That's not what the nature or purpose of a documentary is. Uh, so it, it so there's something right about that. Uh, and if you watch the other interviews, I think the these are not genuine questions. There's not a genuine curiosity of trying to figure out what this whole phenomenon is. And part of the issue is a definition does not settle that. A definition, even if you got a definition, and what the definition Matt Walsh wants is adult female human being. Even that doesn't settle issues about how to think about trans people, how to think about um, transitioning, how to think more broadly about sexuality, homosexuality, heterosexuality, and so on. It does that. So there's a, a way in which the the I think the the asking the question is such an oversimplified perspective that, oh, if you just give me the answer, then everything's settled. And again, that's, you're not curious about what the actual phenomenon is and range of human experience is here. And we're talking about one of the most difficult social phenomena to understand the issue of, of, of trans, because we have, uh, on the one hand, biology. So once body is actually telling you I am, I am not comfortable in my own body. So it's, it's something which is difficult to understand. It has serious implications and it's such a shame that it has fallen victim and it, it's in the middle of the trench of the culture war and we cannot have a serious discussion about it. And we have to say here, one of the reasons we can't have a serious discussion is because there has been a lot of persecutions in the public sphere ideological persecutions, but also professional problems with people who have dared to question the narrative which says that a woman is whoever identifies as a woman. So there was a very good episode of New Idea Live some months ago on Kathleen Stock's book. So uh, maybe we should provide it as a link at the end of this video. Now, if a university professor cannot give you a good answer, maybe the guy next door can give a good answer. So Matt Walsh, visits a guy who has one of these uh, 
Star Wars uh, shops. This guy was a protagonist of an incident some months before that where a trans woman visited the shop and the guy was actually challenging her on whether she is actually a woman. The guy had uh, like a provocative, uh, he thought it was funny, a label outside of his uh, shop uh, and this uh, label triggered a trans woman who went in to confront him. And then Matt Walsh goes and asks his opinion about all this. So let's watch the second clip. I've never had a problem with anybody, whether they're gay, transsexual, anything. Now, you're saying councilman, he, this individual was saying, I'm a woman. Right. And, then, and you said you're not a woman. How, how, how do okay. you know that that person's not a woman? How do I know? Yeah. Well, uh, common sense. Trans women are women! Doesn't, doesn't the science say that if someone identifies as a woman, then they are. No, no. Now that's completely bogus. You're not a scientist, you're not a gender studies major, or are you? No. no? Okay. How do you know that you're a man? How do I know that I'm a, I guess because I got a dick. So this is the contrast. On the one hand, the salt of the earth next door guy who gives a definition based on common sense. On the other hand, the ivory tower intellectual who cannot give a definition. Or is it? Because I found it very interesting that supposedly Matt Walsh and the other guy agree, okay, I have a penis, I'm a guy, I'm a man. But it, your biology by itself doesn't make you a man. Think about it this way. Think on the one hand, John Wayne, and think on the other hand, what conservatives would consider like the meme, the soy boy or whatever. They would be the first to agree that these two biologically similar figures are not something in their essence is difficult. Is Sorry, it's different. Maybe their biology is the same, but what makes someone a man is not their biology. It's how they carry themselves, is how they view their purpose in life, is how they're efficacious, is how they're able to, to try to, to impose their will on, on nature and change the world around them and make things happen, to put it very simply and very stereotypically. So I found something lacking in the, in the answer that says, well, my, my biology sense says I'm a man and that's the end of it. And I think also conservatives would agree with that. So Onkar, does common sense help us to solve finally the question, what is a man and what is a woman? Common sense is always relevant, but no, it doesn't solve these kinds of issues. And you told me your initial reaction to the whole documentary was a lack of curiosity. And here too, if you think you're, he starts off by asking this person, Matt Walsh starts off by asking this person about biology. And, and why are you taking a person off the street and asking them about biology? And then he says, well, you're not a biologist, you're not a scientist. So, so why are you asking them these kinds of questions? Um, the, so there are real questions here, just in terms of the biology and that there's male, female, as we're, in, we're a, a species that divides in that way, but there are intersex phenomena. They're complicated uh, in terms of just thinking about them and how precisely to think about sex. Is it from the point of view of chromosomes? There's different theories in regard to that in biology about the proper way, like what's fundamental here. And so, 
And if you were actually exploring that, you'd bring some scientists on and you would explore that issue. You wouldn't take it as, okay, we asked this gender studies professor, um, we, we don't get a satisfactory answer. Then we grab some guy off the street who doesn't know anything. And that that's going to be our foil in effect. It's again, are you actually trying to figure out the phenomena? And then what you brought up, there's, there's at least one should think there's issues here that one has to think, how should this be conceptualized? So if, if it's that you have a view like this person's more masculine than another person, what is that? What does that mean? What are you conceptualizing? And if it's not just biology, and I don't, as you were saying, I, it's not just biology, typically when people conceptualize it like that, what is it that they're trying to conceptualize? What are they trying to capture? And it might be that you need, well, you don't put it as man, you put it as masculine. So, but that's all part, like, this is all part of, in terms of one was trying to think about this and figure it out. That's what part of what you would be thinking about. And so a documentary might give you, like, here's different perspectives on how some people conceptualize, well, it, okay, we don't put it as it, it's man versus woman, but it's masculine, feminine, and we think about it like this. And, it, and you would get some different perspectives with some arguments about why they think this is the right perspective. And that's what's so lacking in the, in the so-called documentary. And the interesting thing is, I don't think any of the two sides would disagree that here we're dealing with two different things. The one is the biological factor, male or female, and the other is your psychology, how you see yourself, how you carry yourself, the masculine versus versus means like the polarity between the masculine and the feminine. So both people who are gender scholars and people who are, I don't know, in the so-called manosphere, they both spend a lot of time trying to figure out what does my gender means in the way that I carry myself? How does my gender tell me I should act in a particular situation? So quite often I try to figure out what is the at the root, the difference that they have. Because I haven't met, there are very few people who will tell you that even uh, sex, uh, sorry, biological sex is something which is a, a social construct, which is the term they are using. So I've watched the documentary. It's still unclear to me what exactly is it that they disagree on. And we will see, we will see when we continue our journey, literally our journey, because now we will fly to another continent, we will see more of these aspects where what is a man and what is a woman would be less clear than Matt Walsh or other conservatives would have us think. So the common, yeah, the guy next door gave us, yes. Yeah, I just want to say one thing on that. In terms of thinking about this as it's playing out in the, in the so-called cultural wars, I think for all these kind of debates, one has to separate out the people trying to be leaders and spokesmen for some group or cause from the people actually being grouped together. So I don't think trans activists, for instance, speak for trans people. It's not like all trans people have voted and yeah, you're our leaders and you now represent us and so on they're trying to co-opt a certain phenomenon and make it, yeah, everybody thinks as I do, every, or every trans person does, I'm representing their interests. And most of the time, I think they're not. Um, they're not helping this in cause, but vice versa on the other side of people now rebelling against it. I think there are things here 
to rebel against. There is an element of real dogma on the side of trans activists that you would rightly, would and should um, rebel against. But the idea that, well, Matt Walsh speaks for the average American or something like that, I don't accept that either. This is a particular viewpoint. And now we'll get out the, what kind of viewpoint really is driving this um, so-called documentary. And it's, it, it has a lot in common, actually, I think, with the trans activists. Right. So next, we will, we will find ourselves somewhere in Africa in the tribe of Maasai. Now, dear producer, at some point, we'll ask you to split this video in two or three segments so that we can do commentary and the audience can follow. So God knows why Matt Walsh flies to the other side of the world and he will ask these good people what they think about man, woman, and what is, uh, if, if there's such a thing as gender. Let's see. At the role of a man, you need to work for your woman. Secondly, to have children. If you have children and you don't have something to feed them, you are not still a man. What if a man... So, let's, let's, pause, let's pause here. So, Matt Walsh goes to the Maasai. He finds a tribe, uh, the tribe leader, and he asks them these questions. So, he starts by asking... That, so, the men do different things, the women do different things. But notice what the Maasai guy says. He says, if you don't feed your children, if, if you don't work, you're not a man. It's what I was telling earlier that your biology by itself doesn't make you a man. So it's not common sense that, oh, I have a, a thing down there, so I'm a man. So I think here he, he scores an own goal. Matt Walsh goes trying to figure out to make the case that it's all very simple, but turns out it's not as simple as he would want us to believe. Onkar, any comment on this segment? We have more of the Maasai coming. Uh, yeah, let's let's play a little bit more. Besides that he wants to do the roles of a woman. Uh, in Maasai community, it will not exist at all. Doesn't exist? What if a man decides that his, his gender identity is, is woman? A woman has its own duty, and a man has its own duty, and a lady cannot duty the duty of a man, and a man cannot do a duty of a woman. Can a man become a woman? No. No? No. What about a transgender? Transgender? No. No? It looks like to, if you want to become a lady but you're a man, you have something wrong in something your wrong. mind. Something wrong in your family, something wrong in you. What about Paul? So the first question yeah, so I have here is... Yeah, Onkar, go, go on ahead. first. Well, no, I, I was, was, I was wondering... I'll go first. I'll go first. 
So I was wondering, why, do, why would anyone care what the Maasai have to say about this topic? Like, there's, there's a topic that I have a question in my head. Why do I care about what the Maasai have to say? Or about the Greek Macedonians have to say? Or about what the Bulgarians have to say? Like, how would this enlighten me on this topic? So I found it weird to begin with that he goes to the Maasai. Also, he goes to a tribe. I call them good people, but I've heard things about the Maasai that are not that don't really make them an example in terms of gender relations i've i've heard about the mis mistreatment of women i've heard about things that make them a, a very specific type of tribe and the way they they have they see men and women is by no means universal you could go to a different tribe and you could get different answers so the first thing i throw on the table is why go to the maasai and how is this going to make you wiser in any way Yes, I think that's a good question to ask. I find this and one other clip we're going to play the most revealing in terms of the whole mentality here. And it's a very primitive mentality. It is the, it's a mentality that wants to go back and the, to talk about the right as it's conservative, obsessed with tradition, it, it part of that what that means in terms of a mindset or a mentality is they want to go backward and so the the maasai i think it's why going there partly because it's primitive so they wouldn't even go to bulgaria or something like that that's too advanced that's too civilized go to a place that is um much less civilized and look they understand this issue and it's so it's trying to in contrast present how however they would put it, the uh, academia or the, the intellectual left, the, look how detached they are from reality because you can go to this primitive tribe and they understand these issues um, and they're not sophisticated, they're not super civilized. But if you think, if you really think about, what, I mean, some of what you brought up, you're, you're holding up a tribe as a model and a tribe as a model in regard to um, the roles of males and females, do you know what tribes are like? Um, I've actually been to close to this part of Africa, and it is, and this is part of what comes up here. It's, yeah, women have these assigned roles, and it's like based on your biology. This is what you're supposed to do. It's it's a version of well, women are supposed to be in the kitchen, barefoot and pregnant, and cooking. That's their role. And so Matt Walsh asks. Well, so can a man play a woman's role? No, like a woman has these assigned roles and a man has these assigned roles. And who assigned them? I don't know. They're assigned from tradition from as far back as we can remember. This is what women did and this is what men did. And, so, and to think to think of that as a model and to not think of in terms of just Western civilization, that it's a massive advance when it's no, I mean, there's just there are differences in biology between a man and a woman but to think what well, that dictates the role of a woman is just to cook and raise children um and in the idea of a woman engineer well, that's crazy but that's part of what is being it's not said explicitly all but it's part of what it's being activated and this is part of why i view it as it's a kind of propaganda film this is what it's trying to convey to you without saying it explicitly but I mean, what other answer can you give to why are you like, what other question, 
If, if Matt Walsh's car breaks down, is he going to the Maasai to ask them how to fix it? Or even to the Swedish. Like, why would you go to someone and ask, what are you doing here? The, the question is, is a particular model, is a particular social arrangement good or bad? And this answer cannot be given by a, by a tribe or by the most developed country in the world. This can be given based on values and this can be given on some standards that we never find that we never find out. By the way, notice how conservatives are a bit like the environmentalists who go to these places where the people are underdeveloped and they say, oh, look, in, in reality, we might see them as poor, but how happy they are. They're at one with nature. This is what this clip uh, reminds me. Anyway, there's more of Maasai material coming. So, dear producer, let's go. But if someone was non-binary, Come again. Based on what I'm saying, would you ever want to move to America? They say no. Never. So it sounds like you all. You pause. Pause. Notice, there's full of flies. They live a life which is like this. This is a This is this is a hubris to the thousands of people who risk their lives to live this type of life and to reach a better life. But Matt Walsh thinks that because the West is woke, that uh, these people wouldn't like to, wouldn't, or people like them wouldn't, who, who live in poor areas in the world, would not like to go to the West because it's woke. So it's, it's like a 15-year-old level of, uh, of silly argument. And, and, and Onkar, this got your attention, that would you want to go to the US? Why do you think this is uh, significant? Yeah, it caught my attention, at least for two reasons. So one, it, it's the whole conservative wing here is so anti-immigration, so anti-bringing people from around the world if they're not sort of exactly resembling in a perceptual way people they meet when they go meet them outside of their house and meet their neighbor. So the idea that they, they would be open to these people wanting to come, if they said, yes, I want to come to the U.S., that they'd be open to that. Oh yeah, well, okay, let's sign you up and let's try to help you immigrate. But the other, my other reaction is, um, it's such a disingenuous uh, question because uh, my reaction was, I hope Matt Walsh goes join the Maasai and rids us of his stupidity. Um, so if you really think that it, oh yeah, it's superior, this is superior. And as you were bringing up, anyone watching this and you ask them, do you want to leave America and join the Maasai? The answer has to be no. And yet it's, oh, they wouldn't want to come here. They're superior to that. And that is just a, an attempt to score points without any serious concern with truth or values. And you put it, the, you described the, the, yeah, the, the theme of this movie is he's going around asking, what is a woman? But another refrain that comes up over and over is, I'm interested in the truth. Is he, and when you watch this, is he interested in the truth? Is he interested in, is like, is it better to live in America or to be the Maasai? And, they, and it like, is there something, if they say they want to come to America, is there something good about that or something bad about that? That, it, that oh yeah, well, if you got, if you have those views, I don't want to come to America. Yeah, well, you don't value your life if you don't, if you can't look at a primitive tribe and Americans say, yeah, I would leave everything and to, to, for the opportunity to join 
uh, American, live in America. And it, like, this is not a serious concern for truth or values. This It's just trying to score points. And that's the kind of tribalism. Like it's, oh yeah, look how stupid the woke are in America. Um, but it's not a serious concern. So it's at least they're not woke. So if you're not woke, you can be uh, like a, a tribe with characteristics that uh, I, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with them. But that's what tribalism is. I don't care who, who you are, what you believe. What I care is that you are not like these people that I hate. And one of the things that Matt Walsh um, also presents in the documentary is though he's on the side of women. And if you've been to some parts of the world, you were bringing up that about the Messiah. I lived, so the Maasai is, is Kenya and, and um, Tanzania, the, the, sort of the tribes. The, the, I don't know where this is filmed. I, I think it's Kenya because it showed Nairobi on the map in the, in the documentary. So I've been, it, lived a year in this area of the world in Ethiopia. And the way women are treated, but this is true of a lot of these kind of, I know Indian culture is like this too. Women are second-class citizens. It was, and this was, I was a kid and I found it so, it was bizarre that the women did all the work. The men sat around, smoked and drank coffee and the women did backbreaking work and they don't have much energy or machines there. So they're carrying these big things of water on their heads for miles and miles and miles. And the women are doing all of this. Then that's their role. That's what they're assigned. The, the, the men are the head of the household and they get to loaf and so on. And the idea that you could project that kind of society and think it's pro-woman is so, again, like you, you're disconnected from reality and from the truth. And the idea that he's presenting himself, oh, what I care about is the truth. No, that is not what you care about. So now the question arises, what could Matt Walsh have in common with the Maasai? Let's watch the next clip and we might find out. Spent a lot of time thinking about gender. You don't. You just kind of live your lives. You don't think much about it. He said, "No, because we believe that's a God plan." God's plan. He's saying that I'm shocked on what you are telling me. He's shocked. Yeah. The Maasai people don't think much about gender. It's the God's plan. Now, of course, if you would go to the other tribe, they would have a different code with a different plan. But I think that's what comes down to for, for Matt Walsh. At some point in the beginning of the film, he goes, he leaves his house and he goes in a lake and he says, nature has the answers. And this is another way of saying there is a truth out there in reality. But I think this is a very lenient uh, way of seeing what he actually has to say. It all comes down to God has the answers. That's how I see it. That's the only explanation I have for him going to the Maasai. So what, that is the link between Matt Walsh and Maasai. The link is that the answers come from this source out there. And whatever this source out there tells us, this is what we do. Onkar? Yes. And so, so he asked them, the, or he makes a kind of comment. Oh, so you don't think much about gender here. And that's true in one sense and false in another. So it's true that they don't think. They're just accepting it on faith. 
but it's not true that it doesn't play a role in their society. It does play a role. It's given your, your biology dictates your role in life and your place. And it's, it's your biology, which is given by God. So God dictates your role. And that's the role you have to play. And this is the role women have to play. And this is the role men have to play. And so they think about it, but they think about it in a faith-based way. So it's not real thinking, but Matt Walsh takes it, oh, they're, they're not concerned about this. They're intensely concerned about this, that a woman is put in her place and a man is put in their place. It's just, it's not real thought, it's dogma. Right. By the way, I've never seen so much traffic in the questions. Thank you all for your contributions. We're going we're gonna to address each one of them at the end. Let's go on with the clip to finish the, with the Maasai. Yeah. The Maasai people don't think much about gender, but they have a firm sense of their identity. It's clear that gender ideology is a uniquely Western phenomenon. So where did all this come from? Who came up with Pause. it? And why? Okay, that was all with the Maasai. So they have a firm sense of their identity. This is supposedly a good thing. Do you know who else has a very firm sense of their identity? Al-Qaeda has a very, very good sense of their identity. The Revolutionary Guards in Iran, members of uh, the Mafia and of cartels, they know very well what their identity is. So I cannot understand why having a strong sense of your identity is something good. The question is, what is your identity? What does it tell you to do? How does it tell you to view yourself? So notice here how the new right is similar with the identitarian left, that I'm trapped in this identity and this identity now becomes who I am and there can be no question asked about my identity. You cannot question my identity. Yeah, and, and if you think of it as biologically determined, this is one of the reasons people now, when you ask them, what's the definition of a woman, they don't want to give it in terms of biology because there's a perspective that, well, then the biology dictates. Well, if you say what a woman is, is, is a, 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 it it's, involves sex and it's female, not male. It's like all these things follow from that. Oh, then this is your place in life and this is your role in society and you can't be a leader in society. So which is the way the Maasai think about these kinds of things, but it's like, it's not unique to them. And so that's part of the resistance that people have and you can understand it. I don't, in the end, I don't think it's right to have that resistance. You should challenge the biological determinism and more broadly the determinism as you were bringing up in terms of like identity is you've got this kind of physiological identity, whether it's your sex or your, your skin color or something that dictates now that's that's your identity that's who you are that's what needs to be challenged but i can understand in the context where that's so um dominant that people now yeah i don't want to give a definition that seems to lock me into that kind of identity that i don't view myself as so the maasai gave us an answer but now matt wants to find out more so he goes from the tribe of somewhere in africa to an office of an intellectual, of someone who is actually a theologian, if I'm not mistaken. So let us see what is his explanation about why in the West we are suddenly so obsessed with this topic, whereas in the rest of the world, it looks like this is a non-issue. Let's go. 
how exactly have these ideas become so pervasive? First of all, I think we need to remember that in the West, at least, we have it drilled into our minds from childhood onwards that personal happiness is the key to individual flourishing. Secondly, we think of ourselves in psychological terms. I am my feelings. And in order for me to be happy, I have to be able to express my feelings. I have to be outwardly that which I feel myself to be inwardly. Thirdly, uh, we're taught that interfering with somebody else's happiness is very bad. Onkar, who is this guy and why is what he's saying important? He's listed on the when they give the when he first appears and they give the credits. He's listed as a historian and theologian. So one, I think it's just revealing that it's where to explain where this comes from. You're going to bring up a theologian, and if you're really thinking about this issue, so part I think of of the way the. The, this as, a, as, as, I, as I say, I think of it as a propaganda film, is trying to work. It puts up titles of, of the people that Matt Walsh is trying to ridicule and discredit. It puts up their titles. And I think partly it puts up some of the titles to show, look how crazy, like there's even such a thing. So one of them was the, the gender affirming, um, uh, I think it was gender affirming therapist that like, and that, like, is this a real position and a real theologian is the of all the titles that are put up is the most the one that should be subject to ridicule. It's like he's an expert on the non-existent. That's what a theologian is. There, there, there's no God. There's no other dimension. There's never been any argument or evidence advanced for it. And you couldn't have argument or, or evidence for the that which transcends existence, identity, and causality, which is their projection of what the supernatural means. So a theologian of all the bogus people on this, and who, but he's treating him as an expert who's going to help us understand the woke. You put up a theologian. That's very revealing. And it, just to get this in terms of the content of the documentary, um, Matt Walsh ridicules these the, what would be so-called woke by like. Look, we tell our kids about Santa Claus, um, but we know that's a fantasy. We know there's no real Santa Claus. You have to be able to distinguish fantasy from reality. And so, and it's like you guys uh, in your university professorships, you no longer can distinguish fantasy from reality. If you're bringing up God and the theologian and so on, that's a hundred times worse than Santa Claus at thinking, well, Santa Claus is real. It's more plausible that there's a guy in the North Pole delivering presents than there is a God that transcends all of nature. And yet that's the perspective. So, so that like one was when I saw that after the, I mean, the Messiah was already, I thought that discredits the whole documentary, but then you're going to put up a theologian. Um, it's, it's, it discredits it, but it tells you something significant. And it tells you like Ben Shapiro, I think is executive producer on this movie and uh, Jordan Peterson um, appears in it. And, so, and it's like, if you're not troubled by that, that you're gonna put a theologian as a so-called expert. on, And then what he tells us is the, the problem. The West is too concerned with personal happiness. And we teach, like our problem is we teach people you should be concerned 
with your personal happiness. Of all the ideas in the West that make it that the West is the pinnacle of civilization, it's the full development uh, up to now of civilization. It's that we have from the Enlightenment and then onwards, it's, yeah, you're, you should dedicate your life to the pursuit of happiness as it's put in the Declaration of Independence. And so the idea that this is a, Matt Walsh is on the side of America, and you're going to put up this expert who says the problem is the pursuit of happiness. That, um, I, I do think it's accurate that they think that is the problem. Um, and we can talk more about that. But again, that's, it's very revealing in terms of the mentality you're dealing with here. For the record, I think there can be theologians who are like historians of religion and they can be rational, so they don't have to believe in God. But here's the problem in what, in, in what this guy said. I think it gets very dark. Why do they have a problem with happiness and its relation to trans people? Because they consider the trans phenomenon something which is very individualistic and thus something which is bad. So their point is that trans people are too obsessed with themselves. And at the end of the day, as you said, too obsessed with their happiness. So the point is, you have one life, you might not feel comfortable in your body, but why do you make such a big fuss out of it? Why is this so important? What about something bigger than yourself? As Jordan Peterson would say. So the very insidious and evil point here is that caring about yourself and wanting to make the best of this life for yourself is something which is wrong. And let me put it on the table. I think it's very heroic for someone if they think that their personal happiness does not align with the, how they understand their body, if they try to do something to change it, I consider this a very, all other things being equal, so forgetting the culture wars, I consider this something which is virtuous. But for the conservatives, this is something problematic. But there's more. There are a lot of parallels, a lot of commonalities on how they treat the trans issue and how they treat the discussions around abortion. And I will, uh, I will pass the ball back to you, Ankar, to, to say something about this. So they talk about, uh, about things like uh, uh, that the, the gender-affirming surgeries are butchering or uh, immolation. And they completely throw away the context that someone chose to do this. Uh, we're talking now about people who would be adults with able to consent and all that stuff. Someone chose to do this. They did this for their own life. And this, this obsession that uh, conservatives have against people doing things to improve themselves also shows in other issues. Recently in a national conservative conference, there was a woman who had bad things to say about the idea of, quote, transhumanism, that you try to change your body so that you live as long as possible and as good a life as possible. And she considered this something as a sin against God. And she compared it to the trans issue. So for conservatives, messing up with God means that you're too obsessed with yourself and you're doing something bad. In the same way as, for example, with environmentalists, messing up with nature to, in order to achieve values, to achieve goals, to do things is something bad. So again, we see the, the new right and the identity politics new left 
they have more commons than they'd want to admit. But Onkar, a quick comment about uh, how this relates to other fields of the culture war, such as the abortion debate. Yeah, what you what you see for the, the three points that he made are three wide points. So it's about there's something wrong with teaching people to be concerned with their personal happiness. We've taught people to think in psychological terms. And then he says, well, they identify with their feelings. That's a problem. If you think my identity is just my feelings or my emotion, your personal identity should include what you think. And that could include the possibility that there's some of my emotions are wrong in this situation and so on. And I need to rethink my ideas and my values. But the broader perspective of that it's true from the enlightenment forward, there's an emphasis on a person's inner life and their psychology. And if you compare that to say, even the ancient world, Greece, Rome, there's more of a perspective on the inner life. But part of what that means is a perspective on one's individuality. And individuality here means one's uniqueness, that one doesn't think of oneself primarily as a member of a group of anything, like that I'm female or that I'm American. I'm an individual. I, and what I'm after is my own personal, distinctive, unique to me happiness. That was a major advance in the U.S. I'm sorry, in, in the West. And that's also what he's challenging. And if you think about that, sexuality is a part of understanding oneself as an individual and individual self-expression. It, it's part of why sexuality, romantic love, challenging sexual stereotypes and so on happens in the West with the Enlightenment, post-Enlightenment, because it brings this individualistic perspective. And that's what he's challenging. And then he says, and we're taught in the West, it's wrong to interfere with other people's pursuit of happiness. And if you think of just for the abortion issue, this is part of what animates it, that for abortion, a woman has control over her reproductive life and so much more control over her, herself as a sexual being. And that's part of why they really, really dislike it. Because, yeah, like a, a woman who says, it's, I don't want to have kids or I don't want to have kids yet. It doesn't fit into my plan for my life. And so that's part of their pursuit of happiness. And it's a very individ individualistic perspective. It's not saying like no women should have children or no women my age should have. It's just I don't want in my particular circumstance. It's that kind of individual self-control and self-expression that's what they really don't like. And so they don't like, oh, we can't interfere with your pursuit of your personal happiness, but we want to interfere with it. And that's what all, all the anti-abortion laws are, are precisely laws to interfere with individuals' pursuit of their happiness. So it's, again, this is a very revealing clip in terms of how they think. And it, as you said, it's much broader than just the transgender issue. And it includes really the whole way they think about sex and sexuality. So now we're getting towards the end. So after having consulted the Maasai and after having consulted people who speak the postmodernist lingo and uh, he, he wasn't able to get a definition from them, Matt Walsh has enough. So let's get to the next clip and let's see what he's up to. Somehow this madness has infected our entire society. Am I the crazy one? I'm done asking questions. 
Now, there's something quite symbolic here because, as we said, he wasn't asking many questions to begin with. Uh, asking questions to the Maasai or asking gotcha questions to critical uh, scholars would not give much. Uh, would not give much of an answer. So at the end, Matt Walsh reveals his true colors, and the last clip we will see is him actually talking in a school board and telling us what he thinks about the topic of uh, trans people and how our society deals with it. Onkar, do you have any comments or shall we also watch the final clip? Uh, no, yeah, we can watch the final. I agree with what you said. Let's go. Now you only give us 60 seconds, so let me get to the point. You are all child abusers. You prey upon impressionable children and indoctrinate them into your insane ideological cult, a cult which holds many fanatical views, but none so deranged as the idea that boys are girls and girls are boys. By imposing this vile nonsense on students to the point even of forcing young girls to share locker rooms with boys, you deprive these kids of safety and privacy and something more fundamental too, which is truth. If education is not grounded in truth, then it is worthless. Worse, it is poison. You are poison. You are predators. I can see why you try to stop us from speaking. You know that your ideas are indefensible. You silence the opposing side because you have no argument. You can only hide under your beds like pathetic little gutless cowards hoping we shut up and go away, but we won't. I promise you that. Okay, Onkar, so is this sacred uh, rage uh, for a just cause? You know, one could say, well, uh, yes, indeed, the culture wars, uh, the public sphere has been poisoned by this topic. People have persecuted, lost their jobs on speaking against the mainstream view on trans issues. So is this uh, explosion uh, legitimate and justified? I don't think on his part it is. So there are real things to object to. There's real things to object to, I think, in what is happening in the public school or the government schools and what the government is doing. With there, there are real issues here that need to be addressed, but they need to be addressed in a rational way. And part, part of, of in that clip of him berating, this is, a, uh, I think, a school board in Loudoun County in Virginia, berating them is, um, you're not interested in argument. And just from the evidence of the taking the documentary as evidence matt walsh is interested in argument like he thinks the messiah gave an argument or he get the thinks the the shop owner um g gave an argument so so he like he thinks he's giving arguments no you're pr pronouncing your faith and you can object and there are things to object to certainly in regard to the um on this issue of sort of what is the mainstream and why there's people who are or get Twitter mobs on that. And a Twitter mob basically is a religious fanatic uh, uh, mob. It's like, but it, the solution is not fanaticism and religion on the other side. And yet that that's what Matt Walsh is pushing. He's not pushing arguments. He's pushing, well, the Messiah know this and they get it from God. And I, if we get go to the kind of more advanced perspective on religion and we bring in a Western expert on God, he'll tell us too. Like it, it's, that's not argument. And that's not a concern with the truth. So it's something, even if there's things to object here, the way Matt Walsh is doing it is disingenuous. Right. We promise people, Onkar will answer the question, what is a woman by the end? But let's go to our super chats. First time so many super chats. So thank you so much, everyone. 
Many thanks to Luis Felipe for your contribution. Many thanks to uh, to to Jones, to Mr. Jones for the contribution. Now, say, ask the question. Granted that the question is a gotcha. This is about the discussion with the professor. Doesn't it indicate something that this professor can't define what a woman is? Isn't it a straightforward concept, a definition? So, Onkar, doesn't it tell us something that the professor is so unwilling to commit to this? And many thanks to say for your contribution. Yes, we said a bit about that when, when, when we talked about that clip. Yes, I think it does. It doesn't paint the professor in a good light and it doesn't paint Matt Walsh in a good light. And again, if you're trying to resist tribalism, you have to be open to that kind of perspective that both sides are wrong here and there's something really wrong in regard. Not if I think one side is wrong, I have to think the other side is right. That's a kind of tribal um, mentality. It's us versus them. And so, yes, I think there's something problematic here on both sides, but part of it is, so, I mean, so this is again asking about the concept of a woman and definition. So if we just take that now, yes, I do think there is the concept of a woman that is adult female human being. It's important. It's an important concept. It's important to preserve it. And if you just think in terms of some of the discussion about these kinds of issues and about sexuality, when you homosexuality and heterosexuality, it's part, it's attraction to the opposite sex or to the same sex. And you have to think, so it's a, a lesbian woman attracted to a woman. And that's part in terms of the sex or the biology. So, and that's one use of the concept and, and a reason you would preserve it. But to say that is not to say there's not more phenomenon here that needs conceptualization. So part of the whole um, kind of uh, flavor of this film is if you've got the definition, then everything's settled, all the issues. And then we, like, we know what the Messiah know, this is the role of women, this is the role of men. And like, can't we go back to our religion and how it was centuries ago? And, so, and none of that follows. And that's part of what is, I think, the resistance now to, they feel like they're being pinned into a corner and they don't want to be pinned into the corner. I don't think the, the solution is to toss out the concept of a woman or, or of it, like if you look in a dictionary, it's adult female human being to toss that out, but you might need further concepts and concepts about, um, and we were talking about masculinity and femininity, a concept about gender, gender roles. And so there's a lot here in terms of just, if one thinks of human, sexuality just like much more broad than just a trans issue of uh, human sexuality is a complex phenomenon that it required some liberation just to think to start thinking about it properly and i think there's a lot that's not yet understood about it but you're never going to understand it if you've got your religious categories right and if people think that conservatives are good at definitions, go ask a conservative what is freedom. Because they were the people who some months ago would telling us that freedom means that we have to force Twitter to bring back uh, figures that uh, were deplatformed. Anyway, more examples, but let's go back to the questions. Many thanks, Jeff, for your contribution and your kind words. So our friend adherent of Lady Columbia with a generous contribution. Strange that people 20 years ago could identify men and women, but personalities had the name, not the gender. For example, tomboy, uh, machismo, soccer mom. 
problem is the incrementalism of the left will destroy biological distinction. So, yes, these labels were helpful. So, Onkaru, is it that what has happened is that we have taken these labels and we have... It's used today, at the end of the day, another way of saying my identity, my character, the way I relate to the world. Um, I, you froze a little bit for me, so I didn't get completely what you said, but I don't think of this as, so part of it was, and part of the question is asking, I mean, the questioner was posting about, is it an incrementalism? No, I think there's various things going on here. What, but the one, and in a, in a sense, if one cares about truth and knowledge, the most important one is that I think human sexuality is a, it, it's a complex phenomenon and there's a lot here to think about and to conceptualize. And we're, in terms of thinking about sort of the way, I, where I think the science is in regard to this, and it would include biology, it would include psychology, um, and it might include psychology with making use of neuroscience. There's a lot here in terms of just the development of human beings and, and understanding the development of human sexuality. There's a lot to understand in regard to this, we're at the start of that. And so some of like tomboy might be uh, a, like a pre-scientific way of trying to understand some expression of human sexuality. And so, but what's required is a real now more scientific rigorous perspective on this. Um, there's various reasons why that's hard to do because I think psychology is in a relatively primitive state. Most scientists, both like like in the humanities and the hard science are determinists, which makes the conceptualism, I think, misconceptualize all kinds of things. So that's one phenomenon. And it, it I think that's the primary in terms of one, if one's seeking knowledge. But then there's people who are, I think, motivated by trying to undermine. And I don't think of that as, a, as an incrementalism. I think of it more as there's a, there's a nihilism. And I think there's a nihilism both on the political left and the political right. I mean, I think trying to go back to God um, is a form of nihilism in the end, but also trying to just destroy, like biology doesn't matter at all. Uh, we're going to just tear down these kind of, there's too much. It's just tearing down and leaving nothing. Um, and yet biology, it, it's obviously relevant to human sexuality, yet it's not obviously doesn't dictate human sexuality. And so to think about like, what is its role? How to think of how the, interconnection between psychology and biology, how that plays out, what the range in which it can play out. And so there's a lot here to be understood that is not yet understood. And part of what's tragic about this as a so-called cultural war is that neither side is interested um, when you're talking about the real activists and so on um, and the, the tribal phenomenon. Neither side's interested in the actual phenomenon and trying to understand it and trying to help people and like it's a common and you could say it's in any civilized society or put it western society in your adolescence to be thinking a lot about sexuality and like how, what is it, how do i think of myself as a sexual being and we should the, the, the real goal should be helping people in that understanding but it's a very individual personal understanding not to make it an issue of tribes at war and which tribe are you going to 
be a member of and so on. It's so destructive of what is actually needed here. And again, it's such a difficult topic. The last thing we'd need is, uh, is, is this. So, Brian, thank you for your contribution. It's not because it's a critical question. I don't really understand it. It's maybe because of the syntax, but I'll try to paraphrase it. So, uh, Onkar, earlier you criticized the, uh, the essentialism of Matt Walsh as dishonest because it doesn't take into accordance the interrelationship between uh, phenomena and uh, things being more complex. Later, you criticized the scene in Africa because it is about relationship and phenomena. Uh, sorry, my friend, I don't understand what you are, what you are saying. So, Onkar, do you want to, uh, to, to, to just clarify something on essentialism? And, like, is essentialism good? Do we need it when we give a definition? And is the problem with the Maasai that they're essentialist? I, I don't really understand what the contributor is saying. Yeah, essentialism is used in different contexts to mean different things. Here, in it not wasn't so much it, uh, about definition should be by essentials. Um, when and the professor brought up, well, you're looking for an essentialist definition. Yeah, part of that is this determinism issue of I think what is going on specifically here. It's that if you define it in terms of sex then like biological set female male what you're saying is that if you have you have the biology of a female that means this is what your options in life should be and you should yeah you can cook and be in the kitchen but you can't fly an airplane or you can't be like kira and we the living building bridges so and an engineer or dagny taggart and atlas Shrek, like that no that, that's not the role of, and you're somehow contradicting your essence, which is your essence at your female, like that's your body. And that's all over this debate and for various reasons, because more broadly, the intellectual world is heavily deterministic. So part of it that they don't want to say, well, no, woman is a female. They think saying that commits them to this kind of biological determinism that they're trying to resist. And if you think of just feminism in the 20th century, that's part of what it was trying to resist, that biology's destiny. Um, and so, so that's part of what's happening in this, in the debate, I think. Right. Daniel, thank you very much. So Daniel asked the question, does the mind-body dichotomy factor in this issue? I have no idea, but I wonder if Ongar has a, a take on this. It, it factors in, yeah, it factors in in a variety of ways. And the, the one way of thinking of the religious perspective, it is a kind of mind-body uh, dichotomy. It's, this, it, it's like the, um, God has determined this from pre your birth. It's like he's assigned, like, this is your soul, and this is like, he's put it into this body, and it has to, it has this kind of role, and it has this dynamic. It's all, it's, it's, in the end, that's, there's an element of that kind of determinism at work here. But from a different perspective, that of thinking of it, the proper perspective is that mind and body, you have to think of what their integration, that a human being is a, both a body and a mind. It's, uh, and in terms of thinking of your own identity, that you have to think about both aspects. You have a physiology, so that's part of who you are. You have a mind that can think and form values and think new thoughts. And so on. that's part of who you are. And the interplay between that, and that in terms of thinking about human sexuality, 
One has to think of it as a human play between you're dealing with an entity that has free will, capable of conceptual thought. Its values aren't given. It's not pre-programmed in the way other animals are. And yet it still is an animal and it has a biology. And part of this, what, what psychology would be studying, but why it's relevant psychology and biology to be thinking about human sexuality is that mind and body is an integration and one has to treat it as an integration, not these two separate realms. And it could be in some cases that there is a disharmony between your consciousness, let's say, and the desires that your body leads you to, in which case you have to sort to, to work on it, to try to understand it and to sort it out. So maybe our friend meant that, does it mean that if you have gender dysphoria, sort of dysphoria, there is a mind-body imbalance, but integration is not always automatic. Sometimes you have to work on it and you have to investigate. This is, this is how I think about it. Yeah. Okay, adherent of Lady Columbia, thank you very much. One of the new lines I hear from the right is that liberalism is acid because it dissolves the cultural particular bonds and makes people alone and sad. Uh, it's what we mentioned earlier, our friend, which is that for conservatives, caring about yourself, wanting to, to, to reach some sort of self-fulfillment based on your own standards is something which is bad. Why? Because it roots you away from your supposed duties to the community or the country. This is why if you go back to the episode on national conservatism, you'll see that for national conservatives, freedom is a problem because freedom tells you you are not bound by the things that we want you to be bound with, uh, tradition, uh, history, uh, clan, whatever. So yes, that's why they see liberalism as acid and more and more they openly attack uh, liberalism. Onkar, something on this? Yeah, so th there's, um, I think a major element of what drives this is individualism is a real responsibility. It uh, imposes a certain responsibility on people, which is which means you have to self-create. You have to create who you are. And there's a comfort in it being given to you. So that you're an individual, you don't have to be alone, but it is true that you have to work to form relationship, to figure out these are the people I actually value and want to spend time with. How do I do that? Versus you're in a tribe or a family, which the conservatives in America invoke, and it's all given to you. It's like, well, that's your brother and that's your sister. That's who you're supposed to spend a lot of time with, or this is your tribe. That's who, and the other tribe, yeah, they're monsters, but this tribe, spend all your time with, and it's all decided for you. And there's a person, there's a kind of mentality that, that yeah, like it's too much effort to figure this all out. I wanted someone to tell me, these are the people to spend time with and so on. And that, again, that's a very anti-Western perspective. This is short clip material because it addresses a topic that so many people get, get confused by. Last question. Oh, oh pe sorry, penultimate. Many thanks to, to Stephen for your contribution. So Mike asks, and many thanks to Mike. My granddaughter is, quote, non-binary. I'd love to guess to get past the slogans and statistics she cites to discuss how she feels, but unfortunately, I don't have a long history of discussing her feelings with her. So this is a, a, a difficult topic. How do you approach a, a person whom you can't understand on, with these issues? So I'll just tell you my experience in the university. Quite often, I had to uh, address, to discuss pe with people 
who would consider themselves as uh, either non-binary or a different gender category. My first concern was first to try and understand and also to make them see that, hey, there's a genuine effort from my side to try and see what the situation is. How do you feel? Why do you feel it? And what does this imply? This is not necessarily the same as I'm going to accept uh, your uh, worldview or what you think should happen to people who don't agree. But on a personal level, I think the best, the, sorry, the first step is trying to understand, uh, try to, 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 to be a, a, what they would call empathetic and try to see what this person uh, feels and why they, why they, what they would expect from you. So not an easy situation. What do you think, Onkar? Yeah, I, I agree with that, that it, it's you treat them as an individual. And part of the question was to get past the slogans, which I agree with very much and putting it in a different way, relating it to what we were talking about in the podcast um, is get away from the dogmas and but also for the person, try to get like, how are you? actually experiencing this what are you feeling what are you thinking not what are you supposed to think and that we have tribes and dogmas here it's it's if they're conservative leaning then like there's something really wrong with me and so and but that's what you're supposed to think or if you're on and more likely from school and so on it's oh no like this is a, a cool thing and so and you're given a way to conceptualize but it's too much what you're being given is dogma this is what you're supposed to think and trying to get to the point of like, what do you actually think? Or what are you actually experiencing? What do you feel in regard to that? And so, and that's treating it as an individual. But as you said, like uh, actually trying to understand, not label it in terms of dogmas that you don't even know what this means or where it came from. And that that's treating the individual with real respect. And hopefully, like if you have some kind of relation, this was about her granddaughter. If you have some kind of relation, they would get that, yeah, you're treating me with respect and maybe they would be then more open to a conversation versus if it's all just sounds all like dogma. Yeah, I, 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 like I wouldn't want to talk to Matt Walsh about anything. Okay, so people, today was the longest episode, but we tried sincerely to deal with a very difficult, uh, with a difficult topic. We did our best in terms of we came here honestly trying to, to discuss this. And uh, hopefully the result was appreciated, as I see from the many contribution and comments. So many thanks to those of you who have watched, who have contributed. If you appreciate what we're doing, spread the word, like, subscribe on, on YouTube, maybe retweet the, the links that we post, maybe say a good comment on YouTube. It helps the algorithm. You know these things already. Now, Next week, do we have something ready for next week, dear producer? Yes, Philip Kitzers, what is the use of philosophy? So it will be a discussion on a book. And if you want to see a topic discussed in New Idea Live, you can send us your suggestion. And if it's a good one, we will, we will act on it. Also, you can send questions for the episodes where we have a Q&A. So suggestions and questions to newideal at ironrant.org. And that was it for today. Onkar, thank you very much. And many thanks to our viewers. All the best. You've been listening to New Ideal, a podcast from the Ayn Rand Institute. If you like what you hear, leave us a review, share with a friend, 
and subscribe to our other podcasts. This podcast was made possible by donors to the Ayn Rand Institute. Help support this podcast by becoming an ARI member. Go to aynrand.org forward slash membership.